0: I want to go to there. Skype! I
1: saw it in the window and I just couldn't resist it. Francie doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> yes! 30 Hellens agree. Never mind. Maybe the
0: dingo ate your baby, huh? It's a cunning plan, actually. Would you believe it? Man,
1: you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes to hearts,
0: you Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound On Sight's TV podcast. This is Kate Kulczyk and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going?
2: I'm in the middle of, well, not currently, that would be insane, but I've been physically training all morning. Ooh. It's been, it's been fun. I did an hour on the stairs, that's jogging on the stairs, up and down. I did some clapping push-ups, uh, some jumping stuff. It's been fun.
0: See that you're making me feel feel guilty because I've been uh, I've fallen out of my marathon training because my uh, my feet are being difficult. So I'm going I'm Oh gonna no, have,
2: that's the worst.
0: Yeah, that's that's not fun. But uh, i am going to have to get back to it because that marathon's coming up quickly, as is Ebert Fest, and as is a lot of uh, events over at Set On Site uh, in the next month or two. Speaking of events, it was an eventful week in in television, and I feel like before we get to the fictional events of the week, which there were so many, I, I thought we should take a moment and uh, mention that the character actor James Redhorn passed away recently, and I've been a fan of his work for quite a while. Simon?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, of course, most recently thought of him as Carrie's dad on Homeland, and that was such great against typecasting, and I think pretty much all of his scenes were sort of quiet highlights in a show that was mostly not so much about being quiet. So, I mean, that's what I'm thinking of at the moment.
0: Yeah, he was wonderful in that role, and it'll be, I mean, it'll be something that the show, I imagine, will be able to handle well. Uh, Transitioning, you know, giving her another loss, you know, doesn't seem out of character for the show. but, But, no, I've enjoyed his work for a long time, so... I thought before we get too uh, upset about the various fictional goings-ons, that was worth uh, a mention. This was an eventful week of television. How many characters died on shows that we watch? It seems like there were a lot. On shows that we
2: watch, I mean a couple. On shows that we don't watch, there were more, at least that I don't watch, as I understand it.
0: Yes, it's true. It's true. We're going to talk about a bunch of those shows coming up later in this episode, but for now, some of your guys' feedback we heard from Carl this week, who says, uh, Kate and Simon, if I had to choose someone to have their own network, which was the question of the week last week, I think it would be Brian Fuller. Then we would be assured more seasons of Hannibal and might get some more seasons of Wonderfalls, Dead Like Me and Pushing Daisies, and maybe even spin off crossovers like Dead Like Daisies or Hannibal Falls why 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 would you do that to poor jay
2: no she's been through enough hasn't
0: she she's been through so much though the notion of animals talking and singing to to will seems about that seems about right
2: yeah, I could. I mean, I'm 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 sort of amazed I have not have already.
0: Yeah, uh, Carlos says I think Joshua Brand as writer producer would be interesting. Having uh, two of his favorites, Northern Exposure and The Americans, and that could bring a diverse and wonderful lineup. Also, he's watching Homicide Life on the Streets, and overall the cast is amazing. However, there's one character, Detective Bayless, played by Kyle Secor. That totally ruins every scene for me. I'm not sure if it's the acting or the writing, but it just takes the whole show down a notch. I was wondering if there are characters that either have ruined shows for you because they were that much worse than the rest of the cast, or take a positive spin on it. A character that redeemed an otherwise average show.
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Characters that redeem an otherwise average show. I know there are some, just can't immediately think of what they are. Um... I feel like Winston on New Girl is kind of that right now. Yeah. Because he's just, he's just so great, and the show I just I have totally ceased to care about. Uh, which is funny, because I recently talked to someone else who has the opposite issue, which just <laughs> blows my mind. Uh, I don't know. What about you?
0: Well, when you talk about the, the negative side of it, there are definitely many shows where we've watched and gone, okay, I don't understand. Somebody really likes this character. Somebody really likes... Uh, thinks this storyline is fascinating, but really, can we move on? Because it's, it's not. And even just recently, uh, as much as we really appreciate the actress and some of the stuff she was given to do, uh, this most recent season of Homeland, I mean, we didn't need to see the Brodies at all. Certainly we didn't need the unfortunate daughter storylines uh, that they were giving Dana and and even Jessica Brody.
2: Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I, I, I almost... I almost want to say at this point, uh, Kalinda on the good wife, as much as I like her, she's just been so utterly useless plot wise. Yeah. Um, for the most of the last couple seasons and they don't seem to have fixed that. But anyway, we'll get to the good wife later, obviously.
0: We'll have lots of things to say about the good wife. But no, I mean any of those shows where a character starts to take over, uh are usually situations where there's one element that is working better than the rest of the show around it, and so then the show steers into the skid, uh and maybe overcorrects for that. So that's that's a common issue. But uh of recent shows the, the I think the best one is Winston, like you said on on New Girl, where I'm interested in that show. I don't know if I'm interested in the rest of the show. Definitely. Well, the, an interesting question. I look forward to hearing from some of our listeners with their picks for shows where one actor or one character more specifically wasn't working for them or really was saving the show for them, keeping them yeah, involved.
2: The the outliers
0: as the more. outliers, yeah. We also heard from Zhao, who thank you for the letting me know how to say your name. Uh, he says in relation to the question of the week, the only person I can think of is Chris Cunningham. He is a genius with a lot of times on his hand. PS I hope you uh managed to see Utopia. It is like totally awesome. Hope you guys have the best day ever. Oh. Zhao thank you so much for emailing us. That was awesome.
2: Chris Cunningham is definitely an interesting choice. Um although I I still haven't heard anyone of the Tops the Lynch
0: idea. I, yeah, I'm not very familiar with Cunningham's work though he definitely is is interesting uh and like the little bit of research I did into him seems like it, that would be a very interesting pick. Sean says answer of the week give Charlie Kaufman his own network and then watch each new series descend deeper and in, deeper into anxiety and self-loathing in the most beautiful way imaginable until your TV literally explodes. Uh that sounds that sounds pretty awesome without that caveat i would have uh i would have gone the obvious route and said the nolan brothers since they have a good grasp on how to cater to a wide audience without diluting their material too much and now that i said nolan brothers though i'm changing my vote to the Cohen brothers i would watch a series set in the a serious man universe for at least 60 seasons someone should do a fargo series or something dad dad (laughs) dad those are all interesting choices gotta say though and i'm guilty of this as well where are the lady picks
2: Um, that's a good question who would be the ideal lady to run a network? To
0: curate, we should say.
2: Uh, to curate a network. Uh, I'm really curious as to what the, what the hell Deborah Granick is up to, the, the director who did Winter's Bone. She seems to have disappeared. Maybe she can do a network. She's obviously not not up to anything,
1: clearly.
0: Well, and, and my easy pick uh, is Jane Campion, but I don't know if she's interested in that, <laughs> if she'd rather just be directing as opposed to uh, running, like picking a a bunch of different shows to to curate on on a network but given how much we love top of the lake and you know her film work as well that seems like that's a interesting pick i know i'd maybe, watch
2: maybe Janus benson can do an actually good genre network
0: that's a little that's harsh i'm a big fan of Janus benson but can't really argue with some of her her recent shows i'm not a big fan of once upon a time but um, that's true Anyways, let's let's move on to our next comment, which is uh, from Beehammer100, who says, "Why do people compare Dewey to Jesse?" This is talking justified, of course. It's more like what happened to Boyd in season two. Thoughts?
2: Uh, well, I actually commented on that in the in the post. I, I was more drawing a comparison to that shot of Jesse screaming in the car versus Dewey screaming in the car, in the way both abrupt uh, the abrupt cut in both cases giving a sense of uh, finality to those. Scene slash series um in different respects, I was just sort of drawing a a, a comparison there I, I, other than that, they really have nothing in common other than desperation
0: yeah, I was gonna say it like I didn't make that connection at all I should have, but I didn't make that a connection at all because they're so they're in such different headspaces that's you know i i'm I'm with Beehammer. apparently that was uh, a something a comparison that was made uh multiple places around the internet so you're certainly not alone simon in making that at least visual comparison but uh in anyways I, th- I thought that was worth mentioning uh talk to tickle talk about the 100 and that was hilarious uh they're they're not a fan of of it uh mario says he's switching to the cowboys for the amazing race for his pick it's either them or david david connor and uh, I, I'm i with you on that, Mario. I'm hoping that it's the Cowboys because they're my pick. But Dave and Connor are doing very well. So it's nice to see them actually get to compete without, you know, half their team being on crutches. Uh, and he also says that apparently for girls, the finale, Dunham used Twitter to find Louise Lasser. I love that this is the day and age that uh, in which we live. That if, you want to, if you're want if you Lena Dunham and you want to get Louise Lasser on your show and you can't figure out how to get a hold of her, you can always tweet her.
2: Yeah. Maybe uh, Brian Fuller should try that on David Bowie
0: Oh, oh man Yes, I, w- I just want to see a, a tweet conversation back and forth between the two Of them, just like even if nothing comes of it That would be awesome um, I did update the DVD shelf library, at Sound on site, so it is Now up to date with all of the Different shows that we have talked about 91 different shows That's not counting season spotlights, that's not Counting informed opinion Or any of that, damn sir
2: Yeah, that's That'd be a lot
0: of shows. <laughs> now, uh, I threw it out there. What are some shows that we should, uh, that, that we're missing from our DVD shelf? What are the big ones that people say? And uh, aside from a couple that we already have plans for, uh, we the picks we heard were The Wire, Utopia from several sources, Love Hate, Babylon 5, Band of Brothers, Hill Street Blues, Monty Python, and Cracker, the UK series. Uh, oh, nice! Anything you wanted to add to that? I would throw in the Muppet Show because I've never seen the Muppet Show, and it feels wrong that I haven't.
2: I've seen a bunch of Muppet Show, but not recently. Uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of other classic sitcoms that we haven't discussed yet that just aren't re- New Heart.
0: And they're All in the Family.
2: All in the Family, Fresh Prince.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: there's there's a lot. There's still a lot. There's it's, a lot, we, which is which is funny because when this when we first 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 started the this this podcast, I expressed some. Uh, some reservation about: Are we really going to have enough series to make that to make the shelf segment work on a weekly basis? That is not been a problem.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: we also talked a bunch of uh, Hannibal this week with Brian, Julius, Noel, uh, Alicia, Carl, Zhao, and then of course there's also The Good Wife with Beth. Thank you, Beth. Beth was right there with me in emotional shock land uh and this was great talking with her uh, and then ryan ricky sarcastro uh kyle mario a bunch of other people and i know when you finally were able to to watch the good wife i, I was so grateful because then i could just have a reaction with someone
2: <laughs> yeah and by finally you mean like an hour and a half later
0: it was the longest hour and a half though it yeah was it so was a pr- i imagine it was yeah, yeah. Well, uh, all of that aside, we we will be having a lengthy spotlight this week on the Good Wife. It's the longest spotlight we've ever recorded for the for the podcast.
2: Uh, yeah, on a, a single episode spotlight. Yeah, it has to be the longest we've done. At least yeah. the longest that comes to mind.
0: Yeah, and that so that'll be later in the show. At the end of the show, we'll be talking with our editor in chief of Sound and Sight, uh, Ricky D, about this season of Girls. Because of course, while ridiculousness was happening on the good wife girls is finishing up what has been a fantastic season
2: yes uh if this is the first season it's probably like we've done it in a really long time by the way
0: yeah it is uh, but we felt like girls earned it this year so that'll be coming at the end of the podcast but for now let's uh let's take a break and dive in with this very full week of tv start it Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team. Here, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the
1: bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here.
2: You bring it right back. I just
1: I just think it's funny how it goes. Now I'm on the road, half a million for a show, and we started for
0: week in comedy we're going to preview surviving jack which is the new show on fox talk a little bit about uh inside amy schumer season two and uh the mid the mindy project which is coming back from its mid-season hiatus and then we'll talk community which i know it's been a while as well as broad city and rick and morty and i'll kick things off with surviving jack this is a new show that's starting up this week on fox and it's it stars chris maloney who is Hilarious. I'm a big fan of him uh, comedically as well as dramatically. So great on Longer Recipe for so long, but also so underused. It, his comedic skills, so underused there. Uh, and so I was very excited to see that he was getting a sitcom. Less excited to find out that it's a family sitcom uh, with set in the 90s with many... Very specific elements from that time period, and definitely playing to some nineties nostalgia. And then it's narrated by its teenage protagonist. So, what 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 are you thinking when you when you just hear that much?
2: There are several bad ideas working in concert at once. There.
0: Well, just apparently this this year, or this TV season is just the season of. Of of teenagers, this is a little older teen. This is high school, at least, uh, so it's a little different. Uh, narrating their their flashback, nostalgia life. The Goldbergs vibe here is very strong, but of course with a nineties twist. And there's there's a couple different shows, Grant Fisher, you know, being set now, but this feels you know again very similar to that. The strength of this show is that Chris Maloney is very funny, and, and there's you know there's a strong cast around him as well. But the material is is going to sink or swim for a lot of people on how funny they think it is to how how much enjoyment they get out of Chris Maloney being a hard ass dad character. For me, that's quite a bit. But this is a show that, unless it gets more creative and more interesting, will quickly uh, get old for some.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine you're you've made this sound roughly as tempting as almost every other sitcom premiere this season.
0: Yeah, and, and this is better than some of the other ones that I watched. Certainly, I th- I thought it worked a lot better than uh th- than Grant Fisher, and just the fact that there isn't a precocious young child goes a long way, <laughs> really helps. Uh, but but no, I still don't think it's particularly interesting. Uh, more interesting and entertaining is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is Inside Amy Schumer season two. I was somewhat disappointed by the premiere. But uh, I liked the the person on the street interviews. I was surprised how much I had missed that element to the show because Comedy Central's had a lot of of really entertaining uh, new shows or, or returning shows. They've really, as we talked about last year, they've really strengthened their brand. And you know, Broad City is just the latest element of that. But uh, the the other shows don't have that element of person of the street as well as the stand up. Like, and so it was nice having all that mixed back. The sketches in the first episode didn't really work for me, but uh, the second episode of, of the season really did. And I look forward to catching up with the third. I didn't have time to watch it before we recorded, but that screener is up and available, so I will be certainly enjoying it very soon. Uh, are you looking forward to Inside Amy Schumer season two?
2: Yeah, I'm curious to see because between last season and this season. She's gotten much more connected. I mean, she's got a big Judd Apatow movie project coming up next year, so I'm curious to see if that changes stuff or if the show remains pretty much the same in spirit.
0: There's definitely a few uh, faces people will recognize uh, popping up in guest roles, and uh, that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at that as a reaction to her being more out there and more uh, more known. Um, but especially the, by the second episode, it felt much more, uh, in keeping with their, their comedy. And it just, I, I was laughing more, but in both of those, these episodes that I watched, I did, I was very much, uh, Happy to have Amy Schumer back in my TV life, so, uh, so I think people will enjoy that premiere. The other one I'll mention is I have seen the first two of Mindy Project when it comes back from its midseason, and and I think people will be pleased with how they handle the whole Mindy Danny thing. I thought it worked. Um, they seem to, uh, be very comfortable with with the shift. It falls into some of the you know rom com cliches like we kind of expect, seeing as Mindy Project is both a, at times, deconstruction of romantic comedies, but a lot other times a wholehearted embrace embracing of that. Um, so I think there are some elements that are more interesting than others and more successful than others, but uh, I especially I thought Andy Adam Pally got a lot more interesting to do in these first two episodes, and uh, I think I like where they're going with Mindy and Danny, and I like that they aren't trying to beat around the bush with it so much. They are... Having the characters really own to their emotions about the, you know, about this coupling or this pairing. And I like that they aren't kind of trying to wiggle out and extend the will they won't they. I caught up with some community this week and I've I've been a few weeks behind. I figured I should mention it. I know, Simon, you're not going to tune back in, but uh, I was... <laughs> I was uh, interested based on their return to the Dungeons and Dragons thing. I thought that that episode worked really worked very well. I thought I really liked the sense. I, I feel like they captured the sense of of gaming and what that experience is like. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, you know. I like a nice one shot. I don't have the time to be in a continuing campa- campaign, but. I thought they did a good job of capturing the different elements of that and, and uh, you know, as as they so rightly, you know, like, like when they have Jeff going cleave and sneak attack and all this stuff, it, it felt more organic than it did in the first time that they did it. At least for me, the first episode uh, wasn't quite as convincing as this one was, or wasn't as familiar, I should say. And as for the other episodes, yes, some of it was on the nose, but I thought they did really, uh, they have really been very strong this season and the biggest thing i can point to they've weathered the loss of uh, or reduction i should say of donald glover very well and, and i like that they're not completely ignoring it that that makes sense and uh really just switching out chevy chase for jonathan banks was such an upgrade for them i mean don't get me wrong pierce is a great really entertaining part of the show for a long time but having jonathan banks on board is really really been a good thing for this show
2: yeah i mean i've been keeping abreast of what community does just because i like to track my enemies but that's a little strong but i don't know i think they they won't be able to do anything to get me back and honestly the whole casting showrunners and bit parts thing i don't know why i'm okay with the meta with the meta elements on rick and morty which we'll get to but the meta elements on community just bug the hell out of me
0: well, that's yeah, because the you know having Mitch Hurwitz on and then having uh, Vince Gilligan on, I yeah I don't know I I'm not with you on that one because I thought they were both great. I loved the Vince Gilligan thing and just just the watching Annie and and Abed play the game. That would be me. I I would have jumped in so full full bore on that game and uh, been right there with them. So I was really enjoying that and having him pop up as that, that role was pretty entertaining. I didn't need the tag at the end, but uh, otherwise I thought it was really a lot of fun. So I kind of look forward to seeing if they bring somebody else in next, who it'll be. Uh, and, you know, I, I think there's, you know, that's a nice little fun touch and we'll see what happens with it next. But let, let's move on to Broad City because I've been talking too much. What did you think of Apartment Hunters?
2: Uh, well, I just wanted to quickly mention that the previous week's episode I think probably was my least favorite. The wedding uh, rush episode I think was almost laugh-free, which was quite distressing. Uh, this one was a lot better. The cold open was amazing. Uh, that was easily the only useful, uh, the the only useful deployment of Drake that could ever exist. And the costumes were fantastic. The reveal that it was, of course, a daydream was. Easy to see coming, but I think uh, really well executed. Uh, the rest of the episode was okay. Uh, anytime they go back to the well of them dealing with uh, creepy or insecure men, it's pretty much always golden, and the uh, the worship dungeon was pretty great.
0: Uh, yeah, that was delightfully creepy, and... Um... Having had that experience of being way too excited about a check that's not actually as big as it is, just the you know, having excited about a check because it's proportionately enormous for you as opposed to actually significant. uh, Yeah, I enjoyed. I could. I could. I could. You know. Relate to that, <laughs> so that was that was nice, and I thought really, you know, the that opening did capture that very well. Uh, Amy Sedaris, I, I like her. I didn't think uh, the the character was particularly interesting, but um, but I am I am fully on board with Broad City at this point. So thank you, Simon, for getting <laughs> me to stick with it.
2: Yeah, the, the Amy Sedaris character was unfor- was kind of unfortunately an echo of uh, the similar character we got on Louis a couple seasons ago, and not as funny, which I, I just couldn't undo that mental connection in my brain
0: yeah yeah we're gonna have another uh we're gonna have another very familiar face popping up next week and we'll see how that go- you know comes in and, and how that that guest spot works but uh yeah it's been a, a really fun season let's finish up our week in comedy our last show is rick and morty i haven't seen the episode from last night but i did catch up with me seeks and destroy Rick potion number nine and then uh what was the one from last week again
2: uh Rick's D Minutes.
0: Ricksty Minutes. And they were variously uh they're variously interesting and uh entertaining. I thought that the Me Seeks was more successful and Rick Push number nine was you know, I I, I it's not hugely compelling for me but there was you know like you said I like the use of Cronenberg as a noun and a verb that was very nice and very creative the art was very interesting uh and and really fun but in general I just I'm not laughing when I watch Rick and Morty and and the when I look at Rixie Minutes the big thing for me with that one is that again they've gone to the well so many times in the like five episodes I've watched of are the parents gonna get divorced or do they really care about each other that I'm already exhausted with that storyline and it can no longer be effective for me on this show. So then it just cut that part of the show just kind of doesn't work at all for me. And so then it becomes, did I enjoy the other part of the show? And this week, the other part of that show, or last week, I should say with sixty minutes was a series of just ads for parallel dimension or other dimension TV shows, none of which were interesting to me. So this episode, you know, I wasn't offended or upset or, yeah I just I wasn't interested by it.
2: I mean, the whole thing with the parents i I agree with you that they've uh, they've kind they need to do something new with that already. I I, I I get where they were coming from with it in terms of wanting to present a family dynamic we weren't necessarily used to. I like I because I feel like the norm on sort of cart, with cartoon family shows is no one gets along, and that's just kind of how it is. Whereas on this show, I think they're, they're making a concerted effort to say, well, no one gets along. Let's find out why and maybe let's do something about it. But they're not doing the do something about it quickly enough, I think. So I, I applaud the change in approach, but I agree that they need to, uh, they need to get moving with it if they're, if they're going to actually follow through with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like the notion of having that be a serialized element of the show. I think that that could be very interesting. And to watch the two of them actually trying to work on their relationship would be interesting. But, you know, hitting the same beats over and over again, that's just going to get old for me.
2: Yeah. And I I think it's a very specific um, response to, like, you know, for instance, Family Guy, uh, Mm -hmm. especially like shows like that where just people are consistently horrible to each other. But that's just how it is. And I, I do like that as a reaction, but I agree the execution could be better. As to uh, Rick's D-Minutes and the – I mean, I, I like the idea that they, the insinuation is that you're actually watching an alternate universe version of Rick and Morty where this is the sort of thing they'll do for half an episode where you're literally watching an improvised cartoon or an, rather an improvised audio track that has been animated uh, or a semi-improvised audio track surrounded by elements that are clearly not improvised. And I, I like that they're preserving sort of the the Adult Swim sense of experimentation in the midst of what's otherwise a relatively traditional animated sitcom. And I, I also like that they're inviting us to sort of take different pleasures out of a show like this or sort of think on why they, they're, they're making us think about the form of the show in a way that is admittedly pretty wankery and, and traditionally Dan Harmony. Again, like I said, the, it doesn't bother me as much on this show for some reason in the way that it does on Community, maybe because the cartoon aspect makes it seem less relentlessly self-satisfied, even though it is definitely pretty self-satisfied.
0: <laughs> I, think, I find it very interesting that we have some of the same problems uh, with Dan Harmon shows just with opposite shows. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and on that note, uh, what wins your week in comedy this week?
2: Uh, I will give it to. Uh, I'll give it to Broad City, uh, just because I think they've they've been having a really great uh, first season for the most part, and they've been taking as many chances as anyone.
0: Yeah, I like that one. I liked. Uh, I, I watched. Um, I watched a bunch of. I w- caught up with Review this week. I I, I enjoyed that. I watched uh, Parks and Rec and enjoyed that. I caught up with a bunch of comedies that I've been behind on this week, um, but I'm gonna give it to. I'm gonna give it to. I, I'm gonna give it. To, well. If I cheat, I'll give it to Inside Amy Schumer, episode two of season two, which is going to air in th- three weeks. But if I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm going to cheat in a different way, I'll give it to Community from last week, and okay. so so it's kind of you know a mix of of things. Uh, I guess of the ones that we talked about, I'll give it to Broad City over Rick and Morty, and um and probably to Community for this week over over Broad City. All right. Cause there's my rankings for the week. We'll take a break and come back with our week in reality and genre. Week in reality and genre, we're going to talk the amazing race Can't Make Fish Bite and Hannibal takiowaze So, just basically one of each uh, amazing race. I know some of you haven't been able to catch up with it yet, but I enjoyed this episode. I was not surprised to see Margie and Luke go home, and I was first place this week in the pool. So, I'm now in the middle. Uh, I'm still not doing great, <laughs> but it's progress, and I will take it. I like the fishing tans challenge the dancing challenge uh nothing this was nearly as difficult as last week which was just kind of a bitch the uh the challenges they had but i'm still enjoying it and i'm glad that margie and luke are are gone they were it was just so clear to me that they were going to implode and uh at least they go out well they you know luke is you know able to you know he handles the the elimination very well, and I thought that was nice. So I I had fun with this episode, and uh, it really does feel, like Mario said, like a two-team game between Dave and Connor and the Cowboys. So hopefully another team rises up. And gets you know to actually contend with them, but for now, I'm still having fun with the Amazing Race. Um, for genre, we also have The Walking Dead. Us, their second to last episode, The Walking Dead podcast is up in your your iTunes feed. Or if you would like to hear myself and editor in chief Sound of Sight, Ricky D, and future at the end of the DVD shelf girls guest uh, talk about this episode, you can find that at soundofsight.org. Uh, what did you think of Hannibal, uh, Simon?
2: It was good. It was definitely good. Um, I continue to think that by far the best parts of this season are the wackadoo uh, insane sort of surreal sequences. I'm less enamored with the actual plot. Uh, That being said, I think that uh, Beverly is dead. She's very obviously dead. We don't see it happen, but there's no other reason that she would have shot in a stupid direction like through the ceiling or through the basement floor rather. And, I think that's kind of a bummer, and not only in the ways they intend. Uh, In particular, I I wasn't really all that fond of the way they had her behave in a kind of stupid fashion in this episode. I know that uh, other people will have an issue with that characterization, but uh, that's how it felt to me. Um, Beyond that, uh, it it was definitely better than last week because there was no courtroom scenes.
0: (laughs) The and I can't believe we didn't talk about this on the Sound of Sight Hannibal podcast, which should also be in your iTunes feed by now, or is available at Sound on Sight. Uh, but that that Picasso image was amazing. There was a lot of really great imagery this week on the, on the episode. I enjoyed it more than you did, it sounds like, though I completely see where people may have problems, uh, not only from a character perspective, but also from a really one of the two women has to fall into this role, and the, you know, one of the few uh car- supporting characters who is, is non-white has to be killed off, so now we have only really one main female character and one non-white character left on the show. Uh, I see exactly where people are coming from with that. For me, this was still a strong episode and one that I really enjoyed, and uh, I'm now very curious as to what, what position that puts Will in. Because I don't see any of the other characters filling that Beverly... You know, investigator believing in and will kind of role
2: I'm just hoping that they get to that 12 week point or whatever was it how many weeks ahead was the fight supposed to be something like 12 that 12 weeks yeah i just I, i'm really hoping they get there well before the end of the season i don't know how likely that is but i i, I feel like they're already dragging things out too much and i get the impression that that's not what they're going to do for much longer but i i just hope that that's correct because they i feel like they could stand to to bump up the pacing a bit.
0: Fair enough. Any other thoughts on on this episode? Gina Torres, Lawrence Fishburne, anything else or are you good?
2: Uh, Well, I was, I was really happy to see Gina Torres again. And obviously the scenes with her and Fishburne have a charge that comes from, you know, that gets an extra boost from the, from the knowledge that they're actually married, that, that they know to capitalize on and they're not shy of. And, uh, and obviously Hannibal saving her to some degree was, sort of a fascinating decision that i'd like to see them explore more in the future
0: uh well simon what wins your week in genre the only Um, show that you watched in genre that would be hannibal okay and myself as well so now we'll take a break and come back with our week in drama
1: Love to you was never second best I saw the world rushing all around your face Never really knowing
0: it was always mesh and lace I'll stop the world and melt with you You've seen the difference and it's getting better all the
1: time there's nothing new and I won't do I'll stop the world and live. you
0: This week in drama we have The Red Road, The Bad Weapons, Parenthood, The Offer, Justified, Wait, and The Americans, A Little Night Music. And uh, my review for The Red Road is already up at Sound On Sight. It was a bit late. It's been a, a long weekend of, of travel. Or week, I should say, of travel. So my reviews are a bit on the tardy side this week. But uh, Red Road, I enjoyed a couple elements about this this episode, but it did highlight both the strengths and weaknesses of the series so far. For me, I really love what we get with Rachel. I love that she is, you know, goes from traditional uh, rebellious TV teenage daughter to somewhat sensible. Teenage daughter would in a way that feels very natural. I mean the high schoolers that I know that I interact with rather frequently are all very sensible people who don't get swept up in you know, messed up, doomed teenage romances because they are necessitated by co- plot contrivances. Uh, so I was very, uh, I thought it was very refreshing to see how they handled the character, and uh, I really like what we get here as well with um, with Jean. I like the way that they're portraying her schizophrenia and her diagnosis and all of that. I thought that was handled really nicely. But what what this episode highlights is that this series has done a, an interesting and a good job with its characters and making them feel like real people. But there is no urgency to the plot, to the stakes of, of you know, there, there doesn't seem to be a narrative through line. So that, that's sort of where I am with Red, Red Rug. I would imagine that's not particularly intriguing to you.
2: No, you're not really tempting me to, to, to catch back up. It sounds like it's pretty much the series that I thought I was, it was going to be from that pilot episode.
0: Yeah, we'll see if they change things up with the last two episodes. Shall we move on to Parenthood, the offer?
2: Let's do that.
0: What did you think of this episode?
2: Uh, definitely better than last week, if only because we spent a lot more time with Max, and that seems to be the one storyline that, that the show still can nail. Which it's honestly it's pretty much usually the same beat. You know, Max is having a rough time fitting in, and it doesn't really get easier. But it's the one aspect of parenthood that is okay being repetitive because that's it makes sense for the characters and and the locale and the situation that it is repetitive and because they always pull it off uh, with sensitivity and grace, which is more than you can say consistently for basically every other plot line this season.
0: Yep, that's that's definitely true. Uh, the car ride was good stuff. It was painful stuff. But uh, I, I like that they're not trying to make Max' existence as as sunny as it seemed like it was for quite a while last year and this year probably because there's so much else going on in in, the, in braverman land specifically their their immediate nuclear family that they didn't want to muddy things up with even more max drama last year but he's a weird kid and he's you know he's not normal and in a situation where you know like like high school where especially even middle school, I would say, even more than high school, where everyone is trying so hard to be normal and to not stick out when you have a kid like Max who does, it's most of the time not going to go well. The rest of the episode this week, I mean, I like that, as horrible as Sydney was in this, I really like that they force Joel to consider was his marriage in trouble before Victor, meaning is this a long-term problem that is only coming to a head now or is this really just about Ed? Because frankly, if it's just about Ed, as we've been saying for weeks now, that's ridiculous and he needs to stop being a baby. So so if, even if I don't necessarily, am not hugely enthused by having to watch Sydney act out the way she does, it, even if it is realistic, I like that we're finally moving to a place where last week or the week before it was, we have Ed telling uh, Julia, I'm not the reason your marriage is messed up and if you think that you're being dishonest and so to have Joel getting to that point hopefully is a good is is forward progress however slow
2: yeah the problem with this storyline mainly is that every time they call back to why are we broken up I remember how badly they botched that whole section of the season where we were supposed to buy that it's a legitimate reason for them to be broken up and that we've spent time with Joel doing the legwork, which we haven't. And every time they remind me of that, the whole thing falls apart. As If they manage to keep it focused on the kids and sort of just how wrenching and horrible the whole thing is to watch, uh, that can work, although it's no fun, but it can work. It can be compelling. But every time they get back to that, I'm like, uh, no, nope, not working.
0: Well, and every time you – you watch the kids struggling so hard having such a horrible time uh you know dealing with this it just makes you all the more frustrated at joel because we don't have any sense we, yeah you can imply why he's left but we have not been given a clear picture of why he left and why he is doing this to his family and why he doesn't seem to care to fix it in the way at least julia julia is just as culpable as joel if not more depending on why you think they're split up but at least she wants to fix it and joel doesn't want to fix it so to watch him inflict all this suffering on his children and not even want to fix it is increasingly frustrating
2: am i a bad person if i fast forwarded drew singing
0: a little bit but i am curious we got to talk about the there's some uncomfortable uh tension going on there right that's not just me
2: uh, no, that's definitely not just you. It was that didn't seem. Because
0: <laughs> I was that noticing was that last weird. week too.
2: <laughs> it was way worse this week. Even that—that's yeah. not that—that that did not seem like sibling chemistry. They need to fix that.
0: Yeah, well, and, and you know, it's it. That's a chemistry is a tricky thing. You know, and we that's something you know we talked about that that that's a fun recurring subtext to say suburgatory and a few other shows like uh like that, where there's some unfortunate sibling chemistry and certain shows you know, go out of their way to make somebody not really somebody's sister so that they can hook up the the brother and sister with great chemistry. I think that I want to say those brothers and sisters, right, where they did that with Emily. I, I
2: never watched it, but I believe you.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so there's, you know, and, and it makes sense to me completely that that Amber is a clingy, kind of hangy on person, because that's how Sarah is. So I, you know, I, the specifics of their action and their acting choices in that scene make sense for who these people are. Unfortunately, you got to shut down that, that chemistry when, when it pops up.
2: Right, yeah. Uh, speaking of Sarah, I'm starting to think that she might be future Marnie.
0: She's the devil, right, at the end of this she episode? She's the
2: worst. She is the worst.
0: Oh, my God. Well, and also Hank is partially to blame there because he, he does the right thing, with which is you know, establish some boundaries and be honest and say, I can't do this right now. I cannot be your friend right now. Uh, and then he backpedals it and she takes advantage of it again. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, they're really trying to make me hate her.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can blame Hank a little bit, but it's 99% her fault for yes, sure. Yes,
0: that, that's definitely true. Do we want to talk about the offer itself?
2: No. I'm I'm again like those scenes aren't badly handled at all but I'm just so sick of that storyline
0: mm-hmm. is that just me no it's not just okay. you. I mean if it didn't feel so manufactured and, and not just this you know offer drop, drop dropping out of the blue because that does happen every now and again in real estate very rarely but it can happen it's really the the sense of all these different storylines that you know are going to come to a head in the finale So Joel and Julia are going to get back together, but they're not going to get back together until the finale or maybe the week before. And they're going to sell the house and move out and have a tearful farewell in the finale. And we'll get the resolution, whatever it is, with Sarah and Hank in the finale. And there's too many episodes left before the finale.
2: Yeah. Also, I'm really not wild about the writing for that real estate lady character. It feels like they need to work on that, so she's less either not around or not, obviously, just a plot device.
0: Yeah, she doesn't feel like a character. That's very true. I like the little mention of Hawaii. <laughs> like the nostalgia. Yeah, that was
2: cute. But that was good, that she that actually has it.
0: things she wants other than to pop up and create drama. Uh, yes. But yes. There, again, there are moments here that I like. I like that Drew's drama and his angst about natalie is way less about natalie than it is about amy i think that makes sense um even if amber just giving him an insty pass because he said the name amy is you know a bit much but but still you know i like little touches like that but they need to move it's stuck in the mud
2: yes that's a recurring theme this season
0: yeah, now what it, when we say stuck in the mud, I know it's been an issue for us this season with Justified. What did you think of weight, and are you looking forward to what looked to be some positive developments?
2: Uh, this has been such a weird season because it feels like they're, they're, they've are they're settled into a weird herky-jerky motion where they'll have a couple of kind of meh episodes and then one or two awesome ones and then back to meh. And this week we're back to, I think, mostly pretty awesome. Uh, the whole fate of Danny was again, I, I always have to bring this up whenever it happens. One of apparently uh, Timo's contributions to the to this season was coming up with Danny's fate, which admittedly was partially inspired by out of sight, but still uh, everything to do. Like it was, as soon as they trotted out the 21 foot rule for the third time, I was like, okay, we've we really driven this gag into the ground. And then they drove it into the ground in the best way possible. (laughs) And uh, I was so pleased with how that happened. And although I didn't quite get how it it seemed like it was actually kind of a superficial injury from the way that they shot it. And then later, oh, no, he's dead, which, okay, But mostly I was totally delighted by the two appearances by Dickie Bennett, which I knew that he was going to be in the episode, but I didn't think that it was going to be all that special but man both of those scenes were just a delight
0: it was fun to see dickie bennett again don't get me wrong and i you know i always enjoy jeremy davies when he pops up on the show and i like the call back to the series history but again it was it was what was the point of that scene i kept waiting for him to you know the him to have called Raylan there to keep him busy so that you know like that there was a purpose to it not just to you know, fill time and to be a fun moment of dialogue. But, you know, it, I don't know. It just felt very, um, it, it felt like, what was Dickie's plan? Why? What did he, is he just really that desperate to have visitors? Did he think that was going to work?
2: I'm definitely willing to admit that it was mostly hollow fan service. However, it was ex- exceptionally well written and directed and acted hollow fan service. And I like the idea because you never really think about Dewey and Dickie as you know, super close pals, but I love that when you get that scene of them together, half of that scene is just them giggling at how much they get a kick out of each other's company. And that's just a, that's a scene that I'm glad that they took the time to have. It adds nothing to the plot, but I think it adds a lot to the show's universe.
0: Yeah, I think that was nice. And I and again, it's nice to have a positive moment like that in in a season where obviously Dewey has taken a turn for the dramatic and it's hard to really enjoy him in the same way now that he is a murderer and not just an idiot. Uh it, but it's nice to He's have It's nice to have a, a, him have a moment of positivity in what has been a very down on Dewey kind of season. Uh when I, before I forget, I did want to also mention about um, Danny. I like in that scene that yes, he dies in the most ridiculous and um, call you know send up of the twenty one foot rule kind of way. But I like that at least for me, there's a strong sense Raylan wasn't gonna gonna get his gun out in time. He was gonna lose. It would have been the first time we saw him lose a draw on this show. And that, to me, I mean, maybe I'm just reading into things, but so that ties in with this larger thread of him can, you know, going even further to seed, straying even further from the straight and narrow in the way that he would have, you know, the the, the straight and narrow path he would have kept last season even.
2: Well, I think the main thing isn't that, because that, that didn't even occur to me, so I'm going to pretend that I'm smart and that I've got a better point. Uh, but to me, the bigger takeaway is that he – Neither of them noticed the whole. Like, it makes sense for Danny not to notice it because he's an idiot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But Raylan not noticing, like, he's usually pretty good at the whole situational awareness thing. So, definitely not, still not at the top of his game. Uh, if you saw the preview for next week, you've got a pretty good idea of something big that's going to happen. Did you see it?
0: I did not, so do oh, not spoil up. me. Uh, uh,
2: you've uh, got, okay, I'll, I'll shut up. But um, I'll be curious to see how that's going to go down. Oh, we should mention Mary Steenbergen.
0: Yeah. Great uh, to see her.
2: She's here. Uh, Apparently we can expect to, to have her stick around uh, even into next season, which uh, the fact that they're planning that already is uh, good news. Uh, Apparently their last season. I'd w- I didn't quite buy her fitting into this world in this first episode, but I'm sure that she'll uh, evolve in a delightful fashion. And I'm just happy it's going to give Win Duffy anything to do, because he's been waiting around in a hotel room for, like, 17 episodes.
0: Exactly. It's wonderful for them to remember, hey, Jerry Burns is here. We should you know, give him anything to do. Remember when he was competent and he wasn't just kind of following Boyd around. I thought that was a really nice beat and I'm glad, you know, well-written and, and performed scene and Mary Siebert it's such a great addition to their already awesome ensemble.
1: Yeah.
0: She really worked in this scene for me. I really bought her chemistry with Jerry Burns and uh, yeah, it, it's about time we had some more powerful women on this show uh, because there, some of the other writing for the women has not been fantastic and shall we talk about Ava? Could they have taken an easier out with that choice that she had to make? Probably
2: not. I. It's funny because every. I liked almost everything about this episode except for the Ava plot line, which I was actually mostly pretty positive on for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, wasn't. I'm really not too thrilled with where that's gone. Uh, and the breakup scene, if that's what that was, was kind of strange. I don't. That didn't really land for me either. So I, I don't know. They got to redeem that next week, but I'm not sure if there's going to be time. Just quickly back to Win Duffy. I feel like they've acknowledged uh, implicitly or subtextually that Win has been more or less domesticated by his uh, affiliation with Boyd, and I feel like they know that and they're waiting for the right moment to unleash Psycho Win Duffy again. And I feel like when that happens, it's going to be
0: fantastic Uh, when you mention Boyd and Ava I will also say I loved seeing Danny Strong back I don't know that I I didn't love his I love her thing that seemed like it came out of nowhere, and I I didn't believe it. Uh, and I don't know how much of that is performance and how much of that is writing, but I did really like seeing the character back and watching him just squirm next to Boyd was was a lot of fun. And so I did I did enjoy that element of it. Yeah. Do we want to talk about Amy Smart? We want to talk. I mean, I feel like the wild card for this season at this point is actually um, uh, the kid. What's his name? Kendall. Kendall. I feel like he's the wild card at this point.
2: Yeah, well, I think it helps that uh, he the that actor, Jacob Laughlin, has done a really nice job. Uh, again, Justified is unusually good with its young characters. Uh, I- imagine if that kid had been badly cast. This, this whole season would be even more of a disaster. Um, and, you know, he was, he was in mud for anyone who saw that. He was sort of the sidekick, neck bones. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's been good. I feel like him killing uh, his uncle is just kind of a, either – going to kill his uncle or real and preventing it in some way to make sure he doesn't be corrupted. I mean, there's only two or three ways that could go, I feel like. Uh, So I don't know if he's the wild card. I am glad they brought back Amy Smart. I was worried we were just done with her and then I was going to wonder why we spent all that time. Uh, But on the other hand, I'm hoping she's not just going to end up a damsel in distress because that would be a bummer.
0: Yeah, she seems like she's too uh, independent for that and too on top of things. She seems like she has too Good a judge of character that she is too good a good judge of character I should say for that to be the way they take her but mm-hmm. you never know you never know and I have you know when you keep Kendall in play and you keep the uh, Alicia Witt character in play that gives the Amy Smart character a lot more relevance to what's going on mm-hmm. so and I,
2: I I should add I really liked her and Alicia Witt's scene where mm-hmm. they were actually working together in Kendall's best interest uh, that was a nice uh, little pivot. Like not that made sense for the characters, but also allowed everyone to behave like rational adults.
0: Well, yeah, except that I'm sorry. Yeah, he may maybe legally he belongs with. Oh the, yeah, there.
2: when she actually goes back. No, then she, then obviously Alicia Wood is no longer behaving like a rational adult. Well, I just meant that scene alone.
0: And also, even just Amy Smart being like, "You belong with your violent criminal family," when you are saying that you are trying to leave that environment because you don't feel safe. I'm going to send you right back to it. I understand if legally her hands are tied and that's what she has to do, but the fact that she's like, that's where you belong, that's where you should be, I, I wanted to see more you know, understand, understanding from her that that was bullshit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think she's more referring to his mom uh,
0: yeah.
2: slash sister when she says that uh, because she's the one that she called, and I-, I guess she thinks that this lady's wily enough to take care of him. But yeah, there's definitely a little bit of tension there. Uh, I'll be, and I, and I, I'm hoping there's an effort on Wendy's part to uh, actually, really, for real this time, for realsies, get him out. Uh, But we'll see if that happens. When anyway, yeah, you'll see.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, Any other thoughts on Justified, or shall we round out our week with the Americans?
2: Uh, Just that it was uh, better this week, and that made me happy. The Americans are still having a great season. I'm I'm a little bit sad that peop, it doesn't seem to be a buzz show at all. Like I don't really see people discussing it much, which is too bad because it's better than basically everything that everyone else is watching.
1: <laughs> um
2: and I feel like if it was, we would be talking about for instance Elizabeth's uh, seducing of that poor young navy lad uh through a uh through a rape storyline that she's invented, which I took Partially as kind of a meta commentary on the way that we deploy uh, sexual assault as a way of, quote, deepening our female characters. Was that just me?
0: No, but I, I didn't think of that. But that I think that's a great read of it, and I feel kind of stupid for not having thought of it. So it was just you, but it is no longer. Excellent. You know, and maybe this is just from my perspective, having watched the first five episodes about a month ago. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a significant uptick in the amount of discussion online from critics and stuff about the Americans when, once we run out of the episodes we've already seen, that the handful of us who has, ha, were able to get DVDs have seen. So when we get to episode right. six, I would not be surprised if there is a substantial amount of uptick in Twitter talk and in, uh, you know, just discussion back and forth. As those of us who have not had time to rewatch these episodes, but still really enjoyed them back in February, are going, oh, yeah, that's right. The Americans is still going right now. And it is awesome. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh that I, I hope that's the case cuz they have been uh, rocking it. Not going to lie, I'm I kind of wish they would do an incredible music montage every week. Uh Ella, here comes the flood last week, but I know that would be overkill and probably only I want that the um they did a big cliffhanger this week which I wasn't expecting. It's not the sort of thing they usually do and that I wasn't too wild about on its own, but I'm sure by the time we get to this week's episode I will no longer care.
0: We 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 got to talk about Claudia.
2: Oh, yes. Claudia, we knew Claudia was coming back in some form this season, even though Margaret Martindale is very busy. And her, her casual, yet not at all casual, entrance is a thing of beauty. I love the way that was performed in shot
0: yeah it, it, I think the um yeah and again, it's something we tend to talk about justify with justified when it's in its stronger moments uh, an awareness of the character's awesomeness and also the fan appreciation for a character. The fact that everybody watching the Americans knows that Claudia is an awesome, is a great character. she's really interesting, and she's played with just Verve and Panache by Margaret Martindale. and so to see the show kind of have fun with that and demonstrate an awareness of that is an extra little bit of fun.
2: Yeah, I would add that uh, they've done an interesting thing with her where we have more trust in Claudia than the, than Philip and Elizabeth do because we've seen her exp- – like, for instance, when she said that she was uh, you know very close to Zhukov, Elizabeth doesn't believe her, and yet she goes back and kills the guy who killed Zhukov. Uh, but they don't know that, or at least we don't think they know that. So we have more of a reason to believe the things she says than they do. And I don't remember that kind of tension on another on another show where our characters aren't stupid. They're just uh, extremely paranoid. And we know that they're paranoid about things that they don't need to be paranoid about. That's a really interesting place to put your characters in.
0: Well, and when we see Elizabeth and Claudia together, you, you, Philip and Claudia, sure, but Elizabeth and Claudia together, every moment they're on screen together, you have a, such a strong sense of their entire history the entire trajectory of their relationship over season one i love that that is that, that that is always there that is always under the surface from their initial sort of trust to claudia pulling the whole us girls gotta stick together line to what came after uh, yeah
2: and, claudia is basically the jerry Gergich of the americans
0: <laughs> there's a there's a you know a strong series memory underplaying in, in both of the performances from Carrie russell and Margaret martindale there and that that's a great moment i also really enjoy uh where what we get with martha and there's going to be more coming for that next week and it's it's pretty great um so so you can look forward to more of that and uh, I, i'm still really enjoying that character where are you at with nina and oleg and stan where are you with that that corner of the show
2: no way oleg survives this season unless he becomes a new resident juror or something which would be hilarious (laughs) the uh i'm not as enamored with what they're doing with nina so far i'm worried that they're doing the uh she's developing feelings for beeman which she shouldn't not it seems like they're leaning that way sometimes and other times it uh they shy away from that i'd really prefer they didn't do that at all uh, but I, I'm, I am enjoying the Oleg character in his... I like the way that for the first few episodes he just seems kind of goofy, and now we're starting to see his uh, his truly uh, sinister and creepy side.
0: Yep, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut about that and uh, ask you what you think about Paige.
2: Uh, did, did it remind you of The Good Wife at all when Paige starts to get uh, kind of Christian and... It just really bugs the fuck out of Philip and Elizabeth.
0: <laughs> I, th- I thought that was so fun, such a nice touch. No, I'm more reminded of I keep going back to Dana, on Homeland with with Paige and comparing, contrasting. You know, the her with her new friend, where, whereas with. Um, with Dana, it was the was the president's son, right? who's you know obviously there was a romantic bent to that that doesn't look like we're going to get here, but but this notion of, you know, oh, let's introduce a friend for them. I'm sure everything will go great. I'm hoping that with <laughs> Paige, it'll be more of a contrast to that, and this will, you know yeah
2: well I was actually relieved by the Christian aspect that came out this week because it means that it's probably not like a secret uh, secretly 35 year old person in makeup who's a spy. Uh, which is the sort of thing I was worried about.
0: Yep. Well, any other thoughts on the Americans this week? Uh, any hopes for next week, or shall we uh, move on?
2: Uh, we've got so much else to talk about. Uh, I'm just – i they have now put a foot wrong so far. Th- there's things that I'm worried about, but that's not the same as doing actual things wrong.
0: Yeah, and it, this. This is already such a long podcast. <laughs> We're so overlong this week. It's probably one of our longest ever, but uh, but no, it, it's been it was it's been a really strong and uh, interesting and exciting season for the Americans. And that takes me to what wins the weekend drama for you? Because for me, it's definitely the Americans.
2: I will give it to the Americans, but uh, I give major props, major props to justify it for a significant uptick. And I'm, God, I'm hoping they can keep it up for the rest of the season. But the rate things have been going, it looks kind of unlikely.
0: Yeah, we'll see where that goes. But uh, for now, we will take a break and come back with our spotlight on The Good Wife Dramatics, Your Honor. be no surprise to anyone that uh, this week we will be spotlighting, and we are spotlighting The Good Wife, Dramatics, Your Honor. Uh, I don't normally say this for our spotlights, but I feel the need. Written by the Kings, Robert King and Michelle King, directed by Brooke Kennedy. Anyone who was on Twitter this Sunday night probably would have expected lots of girls reaction. It was the girls season finale. Walking Dead, it's their second to last episode. I don't think anyone was expecting the explosion of, of reaction, uh, to this episode of The Good Wife, and Simon, I'm curious your your thoughts were on this. I was not able, um, to watch live. I was sort of, I was, like, just, like, 10, 15 minutes behind everybody else on The Good Wife, and, um, and so I started to see the reaction, uh, while I was, like, partway through the episode, and then I, you know, made sure to avoid spoilers. Thank you all for not spoiling me, anybody who, uh, listens, who's on my Twitter that's listening, uh. And I was watching the episode, it was fine, it was fine, I'm like, okay, what is everybody talking about? There must be something, you know, what is there? And then, holy shit, this episode did something I don't, I cannot think of a precedent for, and in doing so, it uh, managed to, the internet managed to undersell this episode and and what happens. Uh, we'll beat around the bushes for another, like, you know, minute or two here, and then we're gonna go full spoilers on this, but... uh Without, you know, saying exactly what happened here, Simon, what was your reaction while you were watching, before you were watching, and then when you finally were able to watch this episode?
2: Well, I started to get wind that something was happening, but usually on Sunday nights I try to stay off Twitter as much as humanly possible, just as a general rule, so I was really happy that I did in this particular instance, and I... Uh, which is also good because I didn't end up getting to watch it until it had a second airing later at night. I watched it at 1130 Eastern, uh, at which point I really, really had to stay off Twitter, obviously. And, uh, I mean, I think that, again, without spoiling immediately, it would be a shame to have that spoiled for you before it happens, uh, which a lot of critics did just through sort of media osmosis, just because the Kings took great pains to keep it a secret for a year and for i think 85 to 95% of us it worked so just immediately i have to say hats off to them just for the sheer mechanics of it
0: well and just for for everything else, the the decision making over the course of the season the structuring of the season uh there's a lot uh, and we'll we'll get into more specifics. This is going to be a long spotlight, shall we say. Uh, we'll get into the more specifics of it. But just, yeah, like you said, they kept this a secret. There are a few people who seem to have, you know, kind of pieced it together. I don't know how. They who weren't surprised by what happens in this episode. Because it feels like such a monumental shift for the show. And what it has always been tonally. What it has been structurally and narratively. So, yes, like you say, regardless of how you feel about this Development, the fact that this was a secret that was managed to be kept is astonishing.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay, so now you've been adequately warned. Let's get to it.
0: Yeah, full-on spoilers. Skip ahead to the girls' DVD shelf or season spotlight at the end if you would like. It, the time code should be in your in your show notes, but we're going to full-on spoiler this, and if you watch The Good Wife, if you have any interest in watching The Good Wife, you, you either if you don't already know, you don't want to be spoiled for this.
2: Yeah, you really don't. So- I was reading Linda Holmes's reaction to the fact that Will Gardner gets shot and murdered. He
0: gets shot in the neck.
2: Shot in the neck and bleeds out and fucking dies. Um, just We're throwing out the swear yard this week. Yeah. Um, the, I was trying to think of analogs for this, and I don't think there really are any. I mean, I'm, this is the equivalent of... Think about if Season 5, Episode 15 of The X-Files, Mulder is shot and killed or season 5 episode 15 of I don't know Law and Order Jack McCoy gets shot in the face like I just there, <laughs> there isn't an analog I can think of
0: Well and especially in there are, there are many shows that, that we both enjoy and shows that plenty of shows that we don't actually that will kill off main characters. It will kill off significant characters, main cast, usually part of a large ensemble cast, not, you know, the one of the two or three main leads. But usually when they do that, there's a sense of that it's coming. The story, the narrative has been building to a certain point. People will want to point to characters on Lost that die in significant ways. But almost always with, when that happens, it feels very much uh, expected tonally, or when it happens, it... It fits with, you know, that you're prepared. The, the show prepares you whether or not you're aware that it's doing it. Here, it's straight up out of left field. By the way, you're watching a different show right now.
2: Yeah, and that, I think, has been the source of a lot of consternation for people. Not just the shippers, who I don't even want to think about how upset they must be right now. But I guess that's what you get. Um, but I, I, I think that for I'm a lot of people... Just...
0: Quickly. That's what I... I gotta take issue with that. I, I don't think anybody could have expected that this is what they might get with this show. With no, Game of Thrones, no, I'll give it to you.
2: I suppose. <laughs> I just... I, I don't know. I just have such a distrust of, of shippers. But anyway, um, suspicion? I don't know what it is. Anyway, the... But I, I do understand some people's immediate reaction of this is not tonally in line with what I enjoy about the good wife i've read that in some places and i think that's fair but i think two points one if you read the king's letter which i love that a i love that they wrote a letter an open letter to fans after it happened and b i knew that i like i just instinctively knew that a letter was coming you know like mm-hmm. i was it was the least surprising development that there was a letter afterwards because it was i was so totally traumatized. I was more traumatized by this episode than I was by the reigns of Castamere partially due to the insane lack of buildup and the fact that this was way more unexpected, but uh, I, I, the, the letter great. And uh, so as I was about to get to my two points and doing it in incredibly unwieldy fashion, a, I think you need to respect their, that this is the way they chose to handle a very difficult situation. They did it with gusto they did it in a way that, uh, like as they said, totally does not allow for sort of more will-they-won't-they they dramatics down the line. Uh, I think if you think of the alternatives, you'll realize there really aren't many that aren't in some deep way unsatisfying. And I think uh, part two of that is so much of this is yet to be resolved. I mean, it's it's all going to lie in how they handle the aftermath. They they very explicitly even say this in their letter that the real drama is in the aftermath. So in a way, nothing we say now matters except to say "holy shit" emphatically and often.
0: <laughs> well, I I think there's a couple uh points I'll make building off of that. First of all, one of the the big things that you said that I absolutely agree with, and I would even take to the next level, is uh, talking about the this, this not necessarily fitting within the show or or viewers feeling like that's not what what they look for in this show this is i can i completely understand viewers who say this is not what i signed up for when i when i decided to invest emotionally i guess when i say in the good wife because this is not what this show does when you watch other shows that have you know a different tone a different approach there's a sense you know anything could happen when you invest in a doomed romance or something there's always the chance it probably won't kill somebody but there's there's a the chance that could happen when you watch the good wife it is so specifically structured as the story of alicia and the people in her life and uh, there there's this very strong even just in this season this very strong through line of her and her relationships you know with with the, the her new firm and how that relates to uh, her relationships with the uh, with will and Diane, you have the specific narrative parallels of her and will and Carrie and Diane. You have so much of this season structured around those uh two presences as being equal and opposing forces and even if even if they had killed Diane, that wouldn't have felt like it was something that the show couldn't do or wouldn't do or wasn't going to do because it didn't make narrative sense because you don't have that yeah when and when you also look at at, um, at will there's also the 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 diametrically opposing force of of Peter and having those two parallels there's so much narrative capital in how will functions in in and what he brings out in these other characters what it allows the show to explore so I absolutely understand people feeling betrayed or feeling like they've been cold cocked because that is not what this show does and this is not what they have been taught by the show to expect from it. Uh, that being said, uh, I know that I'm certainly uns- unsure as to how this is all going to play out. Uh, and and I obviously, you know, I think when I rewatch this, which I plan to do very soon, when I'm able to put myself through it again and carve out the time, uh, I expect to have a different reaction then. I expect to have a different reaction when I we get to the end of the season and we can look back on it. But I think more than anything, you have to take into account the fact that this is obviously not a choice that they were going to make if the actor didn't want to leave. And so then you're put in a position of the actor wants to leave respectfully and everything. It's not like there's a bunch of behind the scenes tension, but the actor wants to leave. And unless you're going to try to force him to renew a contract that you really aren't going to be able to do, you have to respect that choice. So then what do you do with that option? And I think, like you said, Killing the character as opposed to sending him off, you know, to his home planet with Poochie uh, is far more narratively interesting. And and it also takes balls. <laughs> it also uh, really is something that you just you can't come back from. It's so permanent that it, it is a far more interesting choice. And it's going to give each of these characters something interesting to do. The question that I have about it, though is when you look at how this season has been structured and when you look at how all the different relationships have been structured on the show, the thing that doesn't work for me as well is how, uh, when, when you have one year to plan for this, obviously you, you get all this wonderful material that they've given Josh Charles and uh, Juliana Margulies to, to work with. You, 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 you make sure that you get to that story that you've been waiting to tell. But then, why do you structure so much of the season as these two opposing forces if you're going to, pull that part like if you're going to just again change the show so abruptly
2: well and that's you can argue that it's part of the brilliance or you can argue that it's a totally misguided decision because they made it clear in their letter that the whole point of I mean besides the fact that they had to but the whole point of killing off Will is that it is life interrupted you know you don't get any build up to the fact that this happens there's no foreshadowing unless you're some kind of insane genius Uh, there's no Uh, nothing before is designed to prepare you for what comes now. And that's because they were looking to mimic the way death strikes us in real life. So, you know, when you're thinking about why did they do this if they were going to do that? Well, that's not the way that they wanted to approach this this problem. And whether or not that's going to end up being narratively satisfying in the long run. I have no idea. I do know that they've bought themselves boatloads of trust from me just from their insane run of unlikely awesomeness to date. But, um, you know, I, I think that if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, applaud their decision on some level, I think you have to also sort of go with them, on their decision to do this in the most sort of out of nowhere fashion possible and i i should also mention that you know other people have talked about oh this is sort of like a law and order move or or uh, you know specific references to nypd blue which of course also featured a character dying in a courtroom shooting but uh putting aside the fact that this is a way bigger character than those shows would do um i think it's just it's it's incredible that this show manages to do something like what other shows would do for one episode and totally outdo all of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's, yeah, well, and we'll, I'm certain we'll get to that. But before we do, I do want to bring up uh, a couple more things with, with just, or keep talking about it just a little bit longer with this notion where, and, and I guess, I guess what I keep going to is, I'm confident that what we get next is going to be amazing. And like you said, the, the Kings have earned our trust in a big way. I'm certain what's going to happen in the next, rest of the season is going to be fantastic television. I just, it really feels, and I know this is what they're going for. It really feels like this is going to be something that when the show finishes, hopefully it finishes well. Successive season, we know at least they're getting a season six, is just as as fantastic as the rest of the show has been. This feels like a moment where we're going to get to the DVD shelf eventually and say this is a show that is totally, very much of a piece. It is very heightened. It is very operatic. It is very it's something we talk about. I really keep bringing up with their fabulous scoring of using Bach and going for that Baroque feel uh, to their to their uh, to their, you know, their very heightened world of The Good Wife. This is not a show that's been interested in reality. And then this thing happens because it has to happen because they need to write a character off. And then it goes back to being the show again. And I guess, you know, they've earned my trust. They've earned, I guess it's a gimme, but it also feels sort of strange or or it's it's disappointing, I guess, the the fact that I feel like I need to give them a gimme. Is, is, Is there, you know what I mean? Is there a way that they could have done this? That you can think of, obviously, you know, they're highly paid writers and creatives, and this is what they do for a living, and they chose to go this way. So I doubt we're going to come up with something better in the next two minutes. But um, is there a way they could have done this and maintained the feel of the show? Um,
2: I mean, they they could have had him just go and, like, you know, go to whatever, pull an ER. Could and they have they could killed have... him
0: and, and maintained the tone of the oh, show? could they have killed him? and uh, I mean... I don't think so.
2: And but I mean they they have clearly embraced change this season in in a couple of ways I can already think of and in ways that have already blown our minds. So I don't really see why I mean they've already given us what 109 110 episodes.
0: This is episode 105, yes. <laughs>
2: oh, there you go. It feels like slightly more than that. They've given us 105 episodes. If the show wants to do something different that's their that's their prerogative, and maybe it'll be maybe we'll end up feeling like it does wind up as a different show or as a changed version of what we had before. But I mean, if it's still great, I don't really have a problem with that. I haven't I have a hundred and five or I guess a hundred and four episodes of Good Wife marks one and two to enjoy still.
0: Now is this and I know one of the things that we both have keyed into in that letter. And in the uh, probably in that ad as well, if, if I don't know if that aired in your in your second screening there, but they did, of course have uh, the in the remainder of season five, you know coming in the next weeks or whatever kind of trailer. and uh, they kind of fade in and out of different moments in the episodes that are you know to come. And one of the the big words that stuck out to to you and stuck out to me in that letter from the Kings and in this trailer is the notion of we're getting back to comedy. If there's anything I don't want from The Good Wife right now, it is comedy.
2: I mean, I could see some really mordant humor coming out of it from certain characters.
0: David Lee. But,
2: yes, definitely. But I think that uh, I, I honestly think that the purpose of that epilogue was was please don't hate us completely, and please <laughs> don't stop watching. I don't think it was necessarily a totally tonally accurate, uh, you know view of what's to immediately come i think it was just them saying don't worry the show still exists breathe don't hate us come back next week that's it, it had it did have a kind of a soothing effect even though i think it may have been slightly misleading in the same sense that the promos for this episode did not like very almost evilly uh elided what was going to happen this week
0: the, the episode everyone will be talking about i'm like yeah 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 <laughs> they say that and ads well, all the time. You've done
2: this before.
0: Yeah, and then holy shit! No, they haven't. Um, and <laughs> well, because and yes, I think that's very likely. However, if there are characters I don't really care to see right now, and I very much, by the way, knowing that this is the um, you know, the last, the last episode we get with Will in the present, at least. He, he, apparently, uh, there are some flashbacks that may or may not be appearing in the, in the coming episodes, which is. Very much appreciated. But, for example, I'm very glad we got Elsbeth last week. And then we got another final scene with her. Because I don't want to see her in, in in the episodes in the next couple of weeks. Because I'm going to be mourning with these characters. I'm going to be watching them deal with some really tough emotions. And if I I, I don't need the... Amazing, hilarious, awesome USA version of the show popping up for a couple of scenes here and there. And that's what I'm fearing when I look at that ad and it's, it, it's like Michael J. Fox is back. And isn't, isn't Lewis canning just so fun and, you know, hilarious. And we're going to get into hijinks. I,
2: I really doubt that's going to, I mean, maybe in a, in a couple of weeks, That'll start to creep in, but I would be surprised if there was a heavy dose of that next week. Although, since you mentioned flashbacks, can I just say I'm already looking forward to re-watching earlier episodes of the season and considering them in a new light, especially our many, many Will and Alicia flashbacks, which we already heap praise on and are now and will now feel so utterly different.
0: Well, I know for one, I for one am already seriously mourning the loss of the elevator scenes. Because, uh, and, and that they're, you know, knowing this now, just like I was kind of looking back at the, the previous episode and going, oh, thank God we got one more scene with Elsbeth and Will together and just getting to enjoy how much he appreciates her. Uh, I, I, I'm just glad that we got all those out. It made me think about, oh, they, it's like they knew that these were going to be the last elevator scenes we were going to get with with Will and Alicia. So let's milk it a little bit more. And and so there are certain types of things that I will specifically, even, you know, as someone, we have both said on the podcast before that if, you know, the the picture that we had of what the show was, when the show got to the end of what we thought it would be, who would she end up with? We both said, well, neither, ideally for us. But so even without that, like, I plan on, it makes sense to me that Will and Alicia are together at the end of the show. Just like, I'm really feeling that loss of a happy Alicia. She was at her happiest we have ever seen her when she was with Will. And now we know that's not going to happen again. We're not going to get any more positive elevator scenes to counteract all the negative ones. Are there any elements of the show like that that you are specifically going to miss or you're looking forward to seeing change?
2: I think that, I'm, well, I mean, we really haven't talked about the other elements of this episode, so I'm going to interpolate some of those to to uh to answer your question i mean this week we really have the biggest indication ever that peter Floric is has is incapable of changing his stripes and it's just an evil prick basically uh, which is almost as big a development in a, in a way as what happened okay it's about one tenth as big but still it's pretty big it's a big <laughs> deal it was easy to forget in the midst of all this stuff. And it made the episode feel even darker to me, uh, just almost nihilistically dark. So I think that with Will gone and this development with Peter, I think they're going to advance to the Alicia doesn't need a man uh, narrative much faster than I would have anticipated, which I'm totally into. I have no problem with that whatsoever. And uh, I think that uh, you... I mean, there was an amazing scene in that teaser, which I'm <laughs> sure other people saw, and I don't want to spoil it if they didn't. And I'm looking forward to that, but it doesn't... I can see how some people might take an issue with that acceleration, but to me, it felt... Uh, it didn't feel like a betrayal of Peter Flork's character at all. I don't, can't imagine anyone feeling like, feeling like it did, so I think it was a little odd to have that happen in this same episode because it was just so, like I said, unrelentingly bleak. But uh, I it's again it's it 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 added to this sense of oppressive horribleness that i don't necessarily associate with the good wife but i think it may do them some favors in the long run
0: yeah and uh it's accelerating the you know the, the show from having a, a core love triangle that they like to go back to every now and again in some ways love triangle doesn't quite feel right to explain uh, to 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 label the Alicia and Will and Peter dynamic and the different you know elements that sort of interplay there but uh, going from no that's a core part of the show that the the series likes to come back to a couple times a season this can go and just kind of undercutting that in this episode so will's dead and it really looks like peter stole this election because three three or four different videos those are the videos that they have you know like uh that's that's not something that it feels like the show is coming back from so i would be you know that was one of the first things i was thinking about this episode as well outside of you know will dying horribly uh it was uh was yeah, looks like by the end of the, I would not be surprised by the end of the season if she is completely on her own. If she has, she's done with Peter. She can't be with Will, and then we have to see her, you know, on her own. Or maybe, you know, maybe this will finally get her and Calinda talking again. But uh, you know, we we talk about different parts of this episode. I think it's very interesting that we we don't get a final Will and Diane scene, but we do get Will and Diane referenced, and and they're they're you know quiet drinks, you know, at the end of the day, referenced mm. by Carrie and Alicia this week.
2: Yes. Well, who knows? Maybe Alicia and Kalinda have chemistry, because Kalinda and Carrie obviously don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I, uh, yeah, love triangle was never, never seemed like the right, um, never seemed like the right term. On the other hand, they did have a tendency, especially at the end of the beginning of each season, to really emphasize that, quasi triangle and the fact that they won't be able to do that anymore actually is kind of a relief to me to be honest.
0: Yeah. What are the other parts of the episode that uh that we that you want to dive into here?
2: Uh well I just wanted to quickly praise uh Brooke Kennedy who directed this episode and I'm not familiar with her work. I assume she's directed other episodes of The Good Wife because you don't bring in a rookie for that one. Uh she did a fantastic job with with obviously the courtroom sequence. Uh, the whole motif of one's one f- one sock, one shoe uh was just ghastly and horrible. I thought Hunter Parrish, who most people will know from weeds and from his one previous appearance on this show, uh, was was really good uh in, in that sequence as well and he had some Yeah, obviously that's a pretty crucial role and they wanted to get someone potent for that. I and I just love the idea that, you know, he, you've got his POV and he's watching these lawyers just chuckling chuckling away and deciding his fate. Meanwhile, who knows what horrible stuff is happening while he's in lockup. And I did like the idea, again, maybe it's true to the show, maybe it's not, but I like the idea that just for once we get a peek at the other side of things and just the human toll of all this fun they're having. And it comes back to bite them in the ass. And it did have kind of a Michael Haneke finger wagging uh, quality to it that I know that other people uh, in particular, uh, I mentioned Linda Holmes at NPR, she felt like. The, the the episode had almost a punitive quality. I'm not sure that's what they were really going for, but I thought it was an interesting angle to take with it.
0: Well, and also that the episode really doesn't seem to care whether he's innocent, or Will certainly doesn't care. He thinks, he, he's telling himself that his client is innocent, but I mean, come on. <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe it was this magical gurney, or maybe he killed this this girl, and they are working their hardest to try to get him off. And Will's going as close as he can to coaching him to lie so that he can you know get him off on something that just didn't happen and so to to have so, such a dismissal from will of the the human cost on the victim side while at the same time you know like i think there's a lot of fun that the show this episode has with with that element of the case
2: yeah i don't know if i'd call it fun but definitely a sort of dark irony they don't play with and can i just <laughs> Can we just give them some huge props just for the title of this episode? (laughs) (laughs) We haven't done that yet.
0: Dramatics, Your Honor. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a good episode. It's part of their their episode structuring of one episode titles in season one, two episode titles like that. So they go, they went up to five, and they've been they went up to four, I should say, and then they've been coming back down. So all the episodes this season have three. Next season they'll all have two word titles. Uh, such a fun way to to play with that this week. Uh, I also wanted to talk specifically about um, Kalinda. I like the scenes we get with her and Will here, con- really confirming their friendship, and leading us to think maybe Kalinda's about to make a change before they you know pull the rug out from under us also I, I just i have to give props to christine bransky for the way that she and our and archie punjabi the way that they handle all those hospital scenes i i really appreciate that they remember that will has sisters <laughs> before realizing yes. and you know and that's the, i love that that's the first thought and then sort of diane realizing she's gonna have to call alicia it was very powerful
2: Yes, lots of solid moments in there. I, I saw one person wondering if uh if Diane's gonna start reconsidering her gun loving husband, but I'm I'm assuming that's gonna be a scene later. Um, we we should also mention special guest star Matthew Good, who <laughs> <laughs> who apparently may or may not have been listed in the main cast this week. The um I I thought it was a weird idea to introduce a guy who's apparently gonna be quite prominent for at least a little while on the show in this episode on the other hand a i think he's very good in his appearance in this episode and b uh, it really reinforced the idea that this is just another day at the office because it's another day where the good wife gets to cast a bunch of guest stars <laughs> so i can't really fault them on it
0: when you talk about those courtroom scenes as well i i was so happy happy at the start of the episode to see that the um the no nonsense judge. I don't remember the either. Actually, I don't even remember the actor's name. I apologize. But I, I like this judge. And I like that, uh, you know, they, every now and again that they do let a judge who's really tired of their bullshit pop up.
2: Oh, more fresh evidence. Fantastic.
0: Hmm.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, is this going to go down as one of the great episodes of The Good Wife? I mean it's not even going to go down as an episode of The Good Wife. It's going to yeah. go down as this bizarre, freakish, incredible outlier that exists in no particular TV universe. And I really again, people have brought up other shows, people have brought up The Red Wedding, but to me The Red Wedding isn't even like that doesn't even count because, you know, it is it was preordained in in a in a way that this was not. This this came out of good old-fashioned TV restrictions. And in that sense, I can't think of another show that's done. We can throw that out there for for, uh, for listeners, but I cannot think of an analog on another series. Not a good one, anyway.
0: Well, and there are plenty of other shows. I saw people on Twitter, you know, especially it was a stressful weekend for fans of quality TV uh, as far as, you know, dr- dramatic events happening, shall we say, on Hannibal and other shows as well. But, um, but Hannibal or Grey's Anatomy or these other shows where they've had these... Incredibly, like I I can't think of a you know of a of a, a gunman going and you know, threatening a main cast without immediately going to that amazing three parter from Grey's Anatomy that they did forever ago. Uh but that show is very totally different, and you expect these really heightened melodramatic tragedies on that show to pop up every, every now and again because that's the kind of show that that is. That is not the kind of show that. The good wife is, and so when I was literally watching this, I just can't get over it. I and mean, we've been talking for a half hour here, but I, I, I was literally watching this, going, okay, well, they shot Will. That's a clever way to have him, you know, to to delay the whole is he going to testify thing because he's been shot in the neck. Maybe he'll go into a coma. You know, that's ooh, what'll happen next? Yeah, and and then they go over and they, you can see the the one sock one shooting thing. I'm like, okay, but. That can't be Will, because he can't die, because that's not what this show is, and this show doesn't work if he's dead. All of their dualities fall away, and so that can't be him. And, then it's him and he's there, and I'm like, okay, when's he going to start moving? You can stop teasing me, show.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, this is not, it breaks every rule of tv death and they did it with panache and honestly it worked so well that i still don't quite believe that we're talking about it and it happened and it seems silly to, p- to put it that way it makes me sound true. like one of those people it makes me sound like one of those people who's been like i need grief counseling for this which is okay that's one step too far but um yeah if if you're gonna do it this is how it's done
0: yeah well and again one more time they could have killed the kids they could have killed uh they could have killed Kalinda, Kalinda. they could have killed Carrie they could have killed Peter they could have killed pretty much anybody on this they show They could have
2: even killed Diane.
0: Yeah. They could have killed
2: all of those people in the same episode.
0: <laughs> and it would not have felt like this.
2: No. No. I was uh I was just mouth agape for the rest of the evening. I was upset that I'd already watched Girls, because that would have been a fine decompression.
0: <laughs> I imagine there will still be plenty of conversation. Uh, this is will be something we'll be talking about for the rest of the TV year, I would imagine. And um, now I feel like I just want to go watch the uh, H- Hitting the Fan <laughs> again, to have a nice little palate cleanser of tragedy, but, you know, in a very different way. So I guess thank you to the Good Wife writers for giving us such a... Interesting development. Thank you to Josh Charles for coming back for 15. I imagine if he hadn't come back for the season and we hadn't got, hadn't gotten all this wonderful hitting the fan and the, the, the firm branching off. It's been a great material all season long. It's given the show its best season. Uh, so thank you to Josh Charles for coming back at all.
2: I'm actually kind of mystified that he wants to leave, to be honest. It's such a great role. He's so obviously a TV actor, he's never made the move to film at all, as far as I can tell. Maybe he's been in one or two movies, but he's totally, quintessentially a TV actor does he really think he's going to go to a better gig after this? I don't no. know. I mean, I get I get wanting something different, but still, I'm like, come on, dude.
0: Well, it's I think it's more that he's, you know, apparently he has a new family and it's incredibly it's a very incredibly taxing job because they have 15-hour days consistently. That's what a, an hour-long TV show has for its normal working schedule. Uh in the U S at least. And so it's, it's very taxing. And at a certain point when you've been on a network TV show for five years now, you've got enough money. So, yeah. you know,
2: I guess, I mean, it's not as hard as a real job.
0: <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone and let people <laughs> write in as they see fit. But for now, uh mega mega spotlight side, we'll, uh, we'll take a break and come back to talk about something a little, different a little uh, more lighthearted hopefully uh with our season spotlight for uh, uh with our season spotlight of girls uh with ricky d from sound on Sight. Uh, a few show notes our outro music is sweet petite by the bicycles you can find this post up at sound where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of uh of this, of the, the week in TV in general. You can also like us on Facebook. You can leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. We have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We would love to get feedback from you guys there. You can also email us at televerse at gmail.com. And uh, we're both up on Twitter. I'm at the televerse, and Simon, you are?
2: I'm at Sucker Howell.
0: And what's our question of the week? Uh,
2: well, I, I sort of intimated that earlier, I guess. I mean, what was the last. Prior to this, assuming that you watched it, you know what was the last sort of, what was the last time you watched something that that just encouraged utter cognitive dissonance? I I can't believe they just did that. I have to rewind to make sure that actually happened. Except it was too painful to actually rewind, uh, and the red wedding doesn't count. I'm ixnaying the red wedding out of this discussion.
0: Okay, let us know. Uh, I'm gonna have to think. I literally nothing else comes to mind, and we've watched a lot of TV on this podcast. So uh, let us know what uh, what you think. And so we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Ricky D to talk girls right after this. We are returning to our season spotlight segment which only comes up every now and again when we feel like there's a season of tv that has recently ended that is worthy of an, an additional half hour discussion and with girls having such a dynamite season we thought it was definitely uh worthy of that that extra time helping us to to break down season three is ricky d our general editor at sound on site ricky welcome back to the podcast
1: hello kate hello Simon.
0: So, Girls Season 3, I think most critics would agree that this has been an incredibly strong season for the show. I'm curious what you think about uh, this season in relation to the first two seasons of the show. and, uh, And do you see this as a progression? Do you see this as a return to form after a contentious season two? Where are you at with the show right now?
1: Oh my God, I think the show is amazing. I love it, love it. I was blown away by the season finale. It's hitting all the right notes for me personally. I think it's progressing, I think it's getting better. I was a fan of season two, I was a bigger fan of season one, but I'm amazed at how much it can do in so little time. I mean, the episodes are basically like what, 25, 30 minutes tops? And they do so much in building these characters. And I hate these characters so much, and yet I love watching them on TV each and every single week. Um, I think that this is the best season by far. Um, just Beach House episode alone is, I think, the best episode of Girls we've had so far. And um, I like the fact that we're getting introduced to new characters and really getting to know these new characters. And I think that this is one of the most realistic looks at a relationship that we've seen on television in quite some time like the relationship between adam and hannah really rings true i think and uh yeah i love season three
0: simon where are you at with season three in relation to the rest of the series
2: i agree that it's the best
1: season i think
2: the the key word and i'm sure i've thrown this around before is balance they've they've struggled in the past uh, dunham and company with how much do we how much do we want to like these characters? How compelling is the fact that we don't like these characters or suddenly like them for a bit? Uh, how much should these characters change? Should they change at all? Uh, and how compelling can we keep that not changing for how long? Or should we be compelled by our own frustration with the fact that they're not changing? I think that was something that they struggled with a ton last year. And this year, I think that, there's, I think that they've acknowledged that a little bit of movement goes a long way uh, and you can have some characters change and others not change at the same time and it won't contradict sort of what the show is about and I think the finale did that really well with uh, for instance Marnie really not learning anything this episode or all season apparently uh, which was fine because there was so much going on with the other characters I would say that as, as a criticism uh, this was not a good season. I didn't think for, uh, for Jessa for the most part. I think she had a, a few good scenes uh, here and there, but I didn't really get a sense, a coherent sense of her having a story this season. I'm hoping they can sort of rectify that this year. On the other hand, it was the best season ever for Shoshana, uh, who underwent a little bit of a transformation, at least by girl standards. And this episode in particular, this finale, uh, Two Plane Rides, was easily the best ever Shoshana episode. So, uh, I think on balance, it was easily their best season. I agree.
1: I actually agree, Simon. I think Shoshana is uh, – her, like, her character is just a lot more interesting than you are given her a lot more to do. I absolutely love the scene with her and Ray during the intermission at the Broadway uh, musical because, like, <laughs> she's so desperate to just – like, she still wants to be happy, and it, it's like – I don't know. Like that, that's what I mean about how I feel these characters are so realistic because it's like she's trying to fulfill herself and define herself and be completely happy in thinking that she needs to be in a relationship. Like she thinks that I raise the answer to her problems. And then, and then we also have a different view of relationships in which we get Hannah and uh, and Adam. And you know, the, the thing about those two characters is that. They are technically perfect for each other, but the thing is, they could have possibly met at the wrong time because their lives are not yet defined, like in terms of like their careers and stuff. And so it's really hard to be in that kind of a relationship when you're two very creative, artistic, and and uh, driven people that you kind of want to pursue these careers and. I don't see these two characters staying in a relationship for much longer, not because they're not good for one another, but just because they have so many goals and so many things that they want to do in life. And I think that's just going to pull them apart. And that's the thing about relationships is sometimes the most successful relationships are because the two people meet at the right time. Like perhaps if Adam and Hannah met in say five years when he's a successful actor on Broadway and when she is finished her graduate school, they would probably get married and live happily ever ever after. Right. But that's the thing that I like about the season is that they, they they give us this relationship with Adam and Hannah, and it feels so believable, so realistic, and you're so invested in the relationship. And I love the character of Adam, by the way. And I love the actor, too, Adam Driver. But at the same time, it's like I wouldn't necessarily be heartbroken if they break up. Like it will be kind of sad if Adam leaves the show, for example. But I think that's what would really happen in real life.
0: Well, and that yes, that's – what would happen in real life i mean i don't feel like hannah or adam is somebody are people who can very successfully do long distance Though so watching them maybe try to do that would be interesting more when i look at the future for the those two characters i look at the future for the show do we really think we're going to get a girls season four where where hannah is spending all of her time in iowa and not with the rest of these characters in new york I feel like they
2: could do that. if, uh, And I think that's my favorite thing about girls is it has a sense of experimentation. That's not showy at all. Uh, it's sort of like a, a more low key version of what Louis CK does on Louis, where every week I'm never quite sure what I'm going to get. I don't know which characters I'm going to be spending time with. Uh, I'm not sure how well those characters are going to get along or interact at all. Uh, there, have, there have definitely been times this season where our characters were in totally disparate places and times where they've all come together. Times where we've only seen one, uh, one of our girls for usually Hannah, uh, for for an entire episode. So they could, you know, there's nothing that Lena Dunham can do formally with the show that's going to be a deal breaker. I don't think.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. They are not afraid to experiment, and they are not afraid to possibly angry some viewers. I mean, a a good point of example is last season when they had the Patrick Wilson episode, but that's the thing I like about girls is that they do take chances and they they do give us these episodes that follow characters that we might not necessarily like and or be in odd situations or travel outside of the city. And they've done it and they've done it with a great amount of success, especially with the Beach House episode this year. I can totally see them Taking her to Iowa and still continuing uh, an entire season of girls with her in a different state.
0: Okay, we'll we'll have to see where they go with that. I think, uh, I mean, obviously, the, like you guys have both said, they they've shown that they can do outside of the box thinking. I don't know if they are going to be willing to do that for an entire season, but uh, but you, I wouldn't. You're right. I shouldn't put it past them. When you talk about the you know these experimental episodes, that's really what I remember about season two of of girls more than season three obviously i was a big fan of the beach house episode i think this whole season has been fantastic but aside from that road trip episode and the beach house episode it has felt like a much more consistent show And i think that uh, goes to what the two of you were saying uh it, it feels more like a whole than a series of individual episodes the way that for me when I was getting to the end of season two of girls, I was thinking, Oh, I really liked the episode where, I really liked the episode where, and for me, this season is much more of a cohesive set. Mm-hmm. I think, I think this season's
2: worked both ways. I, I think uh, they, there's been a lot more carryover between episodes. Sure. But I, I still think of individual episodes like yeah, the beach house episode, uh, my personal favorite, the June squib episode, um, which I don't remember the name of right now. Flow. Yes, uh, flow. Maybe it was the presence of Squid that made me think of that. But it 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 had definitely had an Alexander Payne quality, sort of like his uh, his short film in uh, oh God, in in uh, Paris je t'aime. Uh, it it had that feeling of self-containedness that it did inform other parts of the show later, but only in a very unspoken kind of subtle way. So I, I think it has both things going for it, which is incredibly rare. And uh, like I said, if compare to the other seasons in terms of balance, I think that the tone is really what I'm going to remember about season three. It really felt like this was the season that that Dunham and company got the right balance between uh, enjoying the company of its characters and just being driven
1: absolutely mad by them. And, you know, it's funny because you mentioned Alexander Payne, and I totally got a vibe of Alexander Payne on that specific episode, but in the season finale, like, last night's episode, I couldn't help think of Paul Thomas Anderson, especially in the last, like, ten minutes with, like, a montage where it cuts back and forth between the characters and we see where they're at, and we have, like, the music playing over, like, I kept on thinking of a movie like Magnolia. And um, so that's the thing about this season is that it's, I think, probably the funniest season so far, but it's also the most tragic. Like the episode in which Hannah's grandma dies, that was like so heartbreaking. It was such a good episode. And that's a perfect example of how they take her away from New York City and we get to spend time with her. And her family, like you know, that episode wasn't dedicated to like Marnie or Adam or Shoshana or any of the other characters. It's about her and her family, and it succeeded. It was one of the best episodes of the season, and I, I think we have to credit the writers. The writers are so good that they can do that kind of thing. Unlike some shows that we review on a weekly basis, like The Walking Dead that don't take chances and do the same thing over and over. And um, I just want to say that I think Marnie is like the worst person in the world. (laughs) She is terrible. Like I think really weird things when I watch girls and sometimes I have to like think to myself, maybe I should see a therapist. But when I was watching the last episode of girls, I kept on thinking like, what if I was Hannibal Lecter and I was put on the set of girls, would I actually want to eat a character like Marnie? Like I think that just eating Marnie would make me a terrible person. Like just consuming a body part of her she's that type of person (laughs) we're like oh my god she's telling when she when she tells Shoshanna that she slept with Ray and like she's going through this midlife crisis because she didn't graduate and she does not give a shit about how she feels she just wants to go over and rub it in her face that she slept with Ray and not just once but she says repeatedly many times in one night I was like seriously Marnie well, okay, wow. you know, I
0: gotta give Marty credit for that, though, because I don't think she was going there to rub it in Shatana's face. I think she was going there because she knew she needed to tell her, and and she I think that was her trying to be forthright and honest about it, and yeah, she was trying to get out, away from having to have the consequences of that when she's like... So, you know, let's just, like, well, and then we'll just go to the show, and the way she, like, when she told her, you know, was very Marnie-ish, but I think the fact that and, she told her... And the her, way
2: she tells her is awful, too.
0: I don't know. I,
1: it's because she says, like, I slept with Ray multiple times in one night. It's like, I slept with Ray would have been enough.
0: Well, or <laughs> I slept with Ray, and it wasn't just once. It wasn't just, like, we yeah. got drunk it, it, the fact that it was a continuing thing is something she needed to tell Shoshana as well did she need to say we you know multiple times in a night maybe no she didn't need that but she needed to tell her that that she had slept with Ray and that it was not just like a one off that it was a thing that she had been doing that would, you know the, 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 you know and and so i while yes she's still very marny it feels wrong to be defending her at all <laughs> i oh, do yeah. you know i do think she needed to be Honest about that part of it, and I, when we talk about Marnie, a couple of things here with this. But I'm curious what you got, how you guys read that that last moment with her. Do you think maybe this, uh, you know, seeing this fight with Clementine and Desi is going to actually get her moving in the right direction of not being so terrible, or is should we not get our hopes up on that? And then also our, uh, I think it's time for our end of season uh, girls terribleness rankings.
1: Okay.
2: Oh man. Okay. Well, Marnie is obviously the worst. There's no question about that. I feel like Jess is probably next just because uh, mostly she's self-destructive, but there have been times where she's actively uh, dabbled in other people's lives, but she does have more sympathy because she's actually a junkie as opposed to uh, Marnie, who's just terrible.
0: Well, and also I think that she's responsible for Shoshana uh, not graduating. <laughs> if she wasn't there being a, you know, a drug addict, I'm pretty sure Shoshana would have graduated. Well, that's, that's
2: debatable, but uh, Shoshana definitely the least awful. However, um, a, a couple a couple points to throw in there since we haven't mentioned the, the finale specifically a whole lot. I wanted to give some props to Natalie Morales for her awesome Marnie takedown scene. It was worth it to have her in that role just for that one scene. Uh, and if we're going to be talking about uh, ranking characters, I feel like I want to put an asterisk next to uh, Elijah and put him on top because he had a fantastic season and his, the reveal of his suit shorts was fantastic.
0: <laughs> Ricky, what do you think?
1: I don't even really want to think about Marnie in which direction she's headed. Cause I just absolutely hate the character. She drives me insane. Uh, I really actually could care less about her feelings for what's his face. And, I think it's also kind of—I mean, you know—you're trying to defend Marnie, but you got to remember that she's sitting next to Shoshana at the Broadway play, and all she could do is have this big, huge smile on her face because um, what's the guy's name again? I always forget. um...
0: Yeah yes no i'm, I'm with you I, the only thing i'm defending marnie about is that one part half of that one scene because you're right and she's sitting there like mooning over this guy who she's you know very excited about the fact that he just cheated on his girlfriend with her yeah
1: yeah but she only told Shoshana because she got caught in the act like i'm sure if hannah had never walked in in the bedroom she would have never told her but anyways in terms of ranking them from worst to best um so the worst character is marnie like i said i don't even think hannibal Lecter would even want to kill her nor eat her. That's how terrible of a person she is. Um, so she's the worst. I, I don't know. I like Jessa and I understand that she's a druggie and she kind of does terrible things, but she's kind of honest about it. Like she she's not, she's never fake. Like she's totally upfront about who she is and that's why I kind of actually like her a lot. And so I would put her as one of the best characters on the show. Adam's by far the best character, period. Um, Ray probably in third place. So it would be like in terms of best, it would be Adam, Jessa, Ray, and everybody else I could care less about. I mean, even Hannah. I mean, I try to like Hannah. i I, I like her character. I would want to hang out with someone like Hannah, but I don't think she's necessarily a good person.
0: So so most terrible is Marnie. Next most terrible is Hannah or Shoshana for you?
1: Ooh. Um, Hannah.
0: Hannah, and then Shoshana, and then uh and then then ray then uh jessa then then adam okay so where's elijah in that
2: just but- just for the record i will have no one uh saying anything less than amazing things about ray ray is my spirit animal
0: <laughs> yeah Ray's pretty great and I, I the maturity of that scene like you already said ricky uh with, between him and Shoshana, the fact that it, as we talked about on the podcast last week we see him not make that choice with marnie in, the, in last week's episode and then this week he's like you know this is he actually he cares about Shoshana and so he won't take that easy answer of let's just get back together because he knows it's not right
1: you know who's the second worst it's David played by John Cameron Mitchell he's now dead
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> good choice yep. oh my god he, he had her. the decency
2: to
0: die yeah well can we talk about Gabby Hoffman a little bit maybe where is she on this
2: Oh, she's pretty awful
0: is she worse than is she worse than Marnie?
2: Oh, no, no, she's not because at least she comes by her neuroses honestly, it seems like
1: <laughs> yeah no i kind of I kind of like Caroline because the thing is I think she has an excuse to be the way she is. like clearly she's a little mentally like unhinged, like I think she's on medication, like she at least has an excuse like that's okay. Hannah's excuse
0: that's true, and we talk about Hannah this week uh, i I think it's interesting, obviously, when she goes to talk to Adam backstage, I I think that, you know, I don't think she was intentionally trying to sabotage him. I think that she was... I think what she says at the end and what he says at the end uh, of of the episode are both true. I think that she didn't intend to go in there and mess with his brain, but she should have known that that was going to. And I think that... I also believe her when she says that she wanted to tell him because she thought it was a positive thing for them. Like that would be good news. Uh, So I think both are true. How did you guys read that scene? And uh, do you think, you know, is this something that they're going to recover from?
2: I mean, I think the more important development is, and it it actually really was uh, an exciting thing to see. The more interesting development is that she might have just thrown away the relationship, but that's not the main thing that's on her mind. The main thing that's on her mind is she got into what I've, since read up on it is apparently a huge deal uh this program and that is her immediate future that's the that's her main takeaway from this she i mean the last shot of the season is her smiling which is a big deal and the fact that she has adjusted her priorities in that sense is uh, is probably one of the most uh, important developments for that character ever so i i think that uh, you're uh, everyone is right and in, and in, in every, and everyone is wrong in, in the relationship sense, but that's not the most important takeaway, which is itself the most important takeaway.
1: Well, but that's why I think their relationship is so realistic, because I think about 90% of people in her shoes would do the exact same thing, because I read it in a way in which that. She is so insecure about her relationship with Adam. It's driving her up a wall, and it's kind of ruining her life. So there's a part of her that loves Adam, but there's a part of her that wants to be free and she is finally offered this great opportunity before this letter comes in the mail before she gets accepted to graduate school she, she doesn't have anything good in her life, like anything great. I mean, she's got family and friends, but she doesn't have anything better than Adam. And now that she finally has something better than Adam, like maybe she realizes that, you know, Adam shouldn't be a priority anymore. So what she does is she purposely goes, or maybe not purposely, maybe she doesn't, she doesn't intentionally even think of it. Maybe she does, like maybe a subconscious, but she goes to see Adam right before opening night because she kind of wants to twist it and change things in which, now, so like it's kind of like she knew that he would get upset and it would affect him mentally and they would probably get into a fight. And then she can, like, walk away not taking full blame because she kind of wants to go to graduate school. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like reverse psychology. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's – yeah, that's a very – his, I think that's a very good read of it. And you know, when we t- look at this episode, I think one of the seasons, one of the things that season has done really well, and we talked about the tone a little bit being a very consistent, and you know, being the thing that we'll remember about the season. I think this season has shown even more successfully than the previous season a, a really accurate depiction of creatives, of people who are creative, and who are artistic, who are writers. And and watching both earlier in the season, watching Adam react to you know, success as an actor and, and find, you know, when he shoves that, was it paper towels in his mouth and just screams because he's so happy. He can't really even process it, you know, and he was playing it so cool before that. I think when we see that with him, we see here with, with her, how much this little piece of paper that is ripped and then retaped back together, how much it means to her, how much value she puts, you know, in, in it. And also what, you know, how much validation, that, you know, she doesn't even necessarily realize how little self-worth she has about her writing until she gets this this piece of validation, you know, confirming that maybe she isn't crazy. I mean, I think this season has really done such a wonderful job of showing the, you know, showing that element to these people's lives. And even Marnie in her work, in her, you know, she makes that song with Desi. It's actually, it's pretty good. It's so much better than what she was doing last year.
1: Mm-hmm. but you know the thing is if say come season 4 Hannah and Adam are still a couple they're not going to last because she will forever hold it against them that she didn't go to graduate school because deep down inside she would think that she's not going to graduate school because she would be sacrificing their relationship like in, in my eyes their relationship's over at this point and it has to, because they have to go each their own direction they, they can always come back you know like in, an, in two years and like, like restart like reboot their, their relationship but I think they both need to do what they need to do as individuals
0: yeah i don't think she's gonna not go to to iowa i think that i mean for me what i s- saw in this you know finale is she is definitely going to iowa if she doesn't go to iowa i would be very confused and i think i would absolutely agree with you that would be a very a huge mistake by the character and you know one that she would have i, I can't even see her making that choice at this point point. and like you said simon i think it's such a positive huge step for her that she is choosing herself and valuing her you know defining herself um not through her relationship with Adam or with other people, but through her work and something that she's created. It's such a huge progress, you know, it's such huge progress for that character.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, Kate, I think they've done a really great job with actually positive things happening in these characters' lives and seeing how that kind of throws them off their axis a little bit. And in, in, you also mentioned the depiction of creatives, and I just want, want to specifically cite... Uh, Adam Driver has just been such a joy to watch because he he's uh, you know there's this stereotype of the the art the artist who's difficult and it's such a pain in the ass stereotype uh, to deal with in life and in art and I feel like Adam is sort of the the only interesting version of that I've seen in years maybe uh, where because Driver is so good at just in at presenting a guy who is just never comfortable in his own skin for even a second unless he can totally get out of his own head which he can do through acting and uh, I I liked what they you know the scene we got with Hannah and her mom where she sort of noticed that he's kind of a weirdo and uh, I just feel like the way that they've deployed that has been like yes it kind of plays into a stereotype but people like this do exist and I I can't remember uh, as compelling a presentation of that uh, as this and I think it'll be a shame if they lose him to Star Wars or something
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I also really like the music montage sequences that we've had throughout the whole entire season. Like there was one episode in which Jessa was just kind of like headbanging to some like music, and in in, uh, in the apartment, and in this last episode, Shoshana was like tearing oh, apart the apartment. That was
2: so good.
1: I yeah, love that tearing apart the apartment, and um and like the, the show looks so good. Like. Like, it's the cinematography, the art direction, like, every single little detail, it looks great. It looks beautiful. It actually looks like the New York City that I visited. Like, I don't live in New York City, but when I watch girls, I'm like, yeah, this looks like New York City. When I watch, like, Sex and City, apart from, like, the shots of, like, the big, huge skyscrapers, I'm like, I don't know this world. I don't know, like, these swanky, like, high-end, like, clubs that they hang out at. But, like, girls, like, I don't know. I mean, um, everything about the show is great. Like The music, the look, the writing, especially the acting. Um, this is like an excellent, excellent season of television.
0: Well, we should start wrapping up our, our thoughts on season three here. I guess uh, If uh, outside of the Beach House episode, I would be curious what each of you would pick out as your standout moments. Of of the season or episodes of the season, aside from the couple that we've already mentioned, if there is another, you know, maybe another scene or dress down, I particularly remember the, you know, David's funeral, his wife just ripping into Hannah was rather delightful. Do you guys have other moments that stick in your memory?
2: Um, I would say that the, um, I loved the, the I forget which episode it was in, but the scene of Hannah initially trying to quit her advertorial job, and then sheepishly kind of. Uh, trying to get it back, and then her boss responding with, just send me an email, let me know if you still work here or not. That was that was
1: fantastic.
0: <laughs> How about, uh, Ricky, any, any other moments come to mind for you?
1: Honestly, the whole season was fantastic. I mean, I like every single scene of us watching Hannah at work, like when she actually gets a job, even though it doesn't last very long. Um, I actually like the, the scene in which she gets fired, like where I forget what her line was, but she says something like, um, are we going to end up like in a sweatshop factory for puns? <laughs> like, um, and I, I think, uh, I think the last episode is actually my favorite episode, like the season finale. And I love the last shot, like, like the last shot on Hannah with her smiling just says so much about the future of the show and about her character and, um, yeah, I mean, I love this love the show. The only thing the show is missing now is a dog. I give Shoshanna a dog.
0: A little yippie dog?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, s- since you mentioned, uh, just quickly, since you mentioned that last shot, I, wa- I wanted to mention that uh, Dunham directed that episode and I'm sure several others. And I-, I feel like her direction has gotten more and more confident as well.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, we can't end our season spotlight uh, without continuing our, our question that we bring up each year. Uh, guys, which girl are you? Which character are you this this season?
2: Ooh. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with Jessa.
0: Okay. Rick, how about
1: you? Who am I? Um, God. Um, I'm Hannah. You're Hannah? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: I'm
0: actually
1: Ray, but I'm
2: choosing Jessa to be more interesting.
1: I can really relate to her relationship with Adam, Uh, the insecurity she feels uh, being driven and wanting to have like a career, yet not really going anywhere, working a job that might pay you a lot of money, but you don't really like, and you feel like, you know, you're just never going to succeed and and do what you want to do. Like I think this season, Hannah, I'm totally Hannah, even if she's a terrible person, I'm a terrible person. So yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we're all terrible people from time to time.
1: Yeah, just as long as I'm not ever Marnie. Yeah,
0: yeah I think, uh, <laughs> I, think this, I don't know, I can't, unfortunately I haven't been in a situation where I've had to deal with somebody I care about being a junkie, so I don't know if, I, if I'm if i Shoshana in the way that she's interacting with Jessa, but I think of these, of the central girls, I think this season I'm more of a Shoshana uh Though, I don't know. I, I don't have enough of a life to have a year of freedom and partying and all of that. But I don't know. I, I think of the Central Girls, that's what I would go with. And then uh, I would say if you expand the cast, yeah, I'm probably a younger Ray, maybe? I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to think about because most of these characters... That's why last year I went with Hannah's mom, because I felt like I was much more, you know, her than any of those any of, of these, these figures. But I guess so this year I'm going with Shoshana.
1: Oh, my God. You must be such a good person. I'm so terrible. I'm totally Hannah. <laughs> like... Yeah, even when I meet someone and they tell me, like, big news, and I don't really think it's good news. Like, when she runs into Caroline and she tells her that she's pregnant, I can't hold back my expression. Like, it's clear that I'm not happy or care. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, I won't be a dick about it, but I'm kind of, like, Hannah in that sense. Where I'm like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Ricky, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. It's been a while. Where can our listeners find your work online?
1: At Sound Inside, and on Twitter, it's Sound Inside, where I usually just pimp the articles of the writers who write for Sound Inside and my friends.
0: And of course, we have our Walking Dead podcast, which will be finishing up for now, at least uh, next week on Sunday. And then we'll be are are you are you joining me for Game of Thrones this year? Hell yeah! Yeah. So we'll be there's lots of podcasting moving forward. Thank you everyone for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. This week, we, uh, it, and so anyone who, hmm, what, how do I go? <laughs> it's been so long since I did a spotlight, right? Okay. Uh, we did one like three weeks ago. Yeah, I know, but this feels different.
2: It does, doesn't it?
0: It will be no surprise to anyone.